I'm Cassidy. And I'm Abby. And we're back, bullshitters. Back, 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 back. Oh, 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 oh. Back with oh, oh, oh. Biden. Yes, back with Biden. Ooh, 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 ooh. We were really hoping this wouldn't have to be a heart-crushing, heartbreaking episode. So uh, we're happy to have you here. We'll be even more happy to have you here. What's inauguration? January 20th? 2020. Sometime 2021, in the next Abby. year. Oh, this cursed year is 2020. <laughs> I'm never escaping. <laughs> oh my gosh, truly. We're going to shout out some peanut butters at the top of the pod because they made me cry. They were so touching and lovely. They were so sweet. I would like to shout out Dave Odsmanson, and I'll give you his handles in a moment. But Dave came to us and pointed out in our Dear Evan Hansen episode that I say neurotypical, but it is rather neurodivergent because it's a spectrum and not setting a normal, which would stigmatize negatively against people not neurotypical, quote unquote. So neurodivergent. Dave Osmondson is a super cool playwright who writes about the intersections between queerness and autism. And you can find him on Twitter at Dave M O S M U N D S E N at Instagram at Osmondson. And he just wrote a short web series called A Safe Distance that is available on YouTube. He's super proud of it. We're super proud of it. Ooh. Um, Meaningful I- peanut butters. <laughs> Our next meaningful peanut butter did not inform us of anything, but <laughs> Donald Watson in Ireland. He just said that he's from he's Ireland. He's from Ireland. And he's listening to us. And we're and, from America. And it's just and so we're exciting. We're from <laughs> I I was going to try and do an Irish accent and then immediately stopped myself. Just two little hee-haw country girls <laughs> doing a podcast about Broadway. Oh, my God. We're from the two major cities in Texas, and we both grew up in the suburbs. Truly, but two absolutely. Oh, girls. don't you call my booty a suburb booty. I am in <laughs> central Dallas, Abby. I am not in White Flight City. Don't you dare put that on me. Okay, Okay, listeners, Cassidy doesn't live in the suburbs. Wink. Cassidy, ignore the wink. That wasn't for you. (laughs) Abby thinks because it's houses, it's the suburbs, and that's only because she's grown up in the suburbs her whole life. Anyway, I stand by my suburbs. Remember that time you said you were from Houston? (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) We pay Houston taxes. Hey, Mom, welcome to... This was a bad transition. I'm sorry. I'm not going to go all the way through with it. But we watched Hairspray this week. (laughs) I wasn't going to sing us into the the show. I was ready Um, to vibe. (laughs) Thank you so much. We watched Hairspray this week. And Hairspray is an American musical written by Mark Shaman and with lyrics by Scott Whitman. And a book by Mark O'Donnell, three for, um, oh, four for, and Thomas Meehan. (laughs) And it came out in 2002. It debuted in Seattle, and it went to Broadway in 2002. And then it did a big old tour that everyone and their mama saw in 2003 and 2008. everybody and their mama, welcome to the 60s. 60s. So much better, Abby. (laughs) Thank you so much. Before we hop back into the 60s, just a quick, quick little trigger warning we very very briefly mentioned rape it's very brief but it does come up so oh abby abby whose turn is it to play bin a minute um because we had nico last time who played it on dear Evan hansen you did i think i did which means it's your turn oh good it's a good one for me cool cool let me pull up a song list because you know i got to give you the selection as we go through it Oh my gosh, I forgot about Been a Minute. It's Dude, been really, a minute. It's ha. been a minute, y'all. The election, ha. I feel like this is going to be a longer episode just because we've needed to unpack, man. It's <laughs> been a week away from the pod. Yeah, and what a week that I could have used the pod, honestly. It's been, honestly, truly, we didn't know how to act, y'all. We went back and forth. Yeah. Cool, cool. Before I play Ben a Minute, any more dramaturgy I need to get in. Oh, Hairspray is based on a John Waters film called Hairspray, which he's a famous drag director. We'll get into that more a little later. As always, we'll get into it. Um, cool. It's based on a John Waters film. And Blaced. now I'm going to get you the plot. Abby, set my clock. Clock set. Good morning, Baltimore. Tracy wakes up. 
and she's uh, bigger and girls tease her for how big she is and how big her hair is but she and her mom runs a laundry place uh, Trina Turnblad no Edna Turnblad Uh, I don't know where Trina came from Um, and so yeah Edna who is played in drag um does laundry and so she loves this dance show and she goes to audition for the dance show and she makes it believe it or not and she falls in love with the lead who's also goes to school with her but then um what she really really loves is what they call in the show 30 Negro seconds you're Day. killing this one thank you so much i got nervous uh, she falls in love with link she gets in she gets in trouble because she wants to dance with the black kids on the show and this is during a time where dancing is segregated and schools are pretty segre- segregated um and then they go to jail for a little bit. I can't remember why. And then Tracy, <laughs> does she win the pageant? No. She doesn't win Miss Hairspray, but her life goes on because she Literally, loves Link. I, I left out a lot. I left yeah. out a lot. So there's a whole black resistance movement. There's a whole black resistance movement being led by Motorhouse Mabel, mm-hmm. who is the mom of seaweed that Tracy's best friend Penny falls in love with. Mm-hmm. And together they march for Penny, equality who, on the Corny Collins show. For anybody that doesn't know what we actually look like, which I just think is a fascinating concept that that exists. Um, Cassidy's born to play Penny. That's in so every sweet. sense of the word. So We're gonna cute. Get, oh, that's so sweet. My high school did it and I was not so fortunate. And <laughs> I've got some sting over it. But we'll get there. <laughs> as, as always. always. Um, so yeah, to give you a better version of the plot, then she joins up with them to march against segregation with Motor Mouth Mabel and Seaweed and Penny. And that is why they end up in jail. And then, yeah, and then they they... Not sabotage, but they break into the Miss Hairspray pageant while it's being televised live on TV and they all dance. So it's the first time it's being syndicated that syndicated that black and white people are dancing together on public television. Nice use of the word syndicated. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, and yeah. We'll get into it a little more. Most of y'all know the movie version, which has Dreamboat Zac Efron as Link Larkin, Nikki mm. Wonski as Tracy, Queen Latifah as Motormouth Mabel. I'm doing these names on the fly, folks. I must You're have really seen this movie crazy. a lot. My love, Michelle Pfeiffer as... Um, <laughs> I know. Love. A hot take. My love, Michelle Pfeiffer as Miss Baltimore Crabs, Brittany Snow as Amber. Pat oh, my Cass, God. Folks. Um... I said John Travolta already. Prudy Pingleton, Christopher Walken as um, the dad, the dad, Tracy's dad, <laughs> and Prudy Pingleton, who is famously played by our marketing director Sarah Lassert, oh. but is actually played by Allison Jennings in the movie, the Itonya mom. Oh, oh, cool. Yeah, she does a great Wait. job. She's in everything. She's in West Wing. I didn't mean to, you know, downgrade her to I, Tanya. Oh, you want to talk about Sarah being pretty? Oh, I'm just so excited for the little snippet that I'm going to make Sarah sing at the end of this episode now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Director of marketing Sarah Sarah was pretty Pingleton. And when she sneaks in on Seaweed and Penny, like, getting it on, mm-hmm. they had her climb on the lip of the stage with, like, bloomers. So it looked like, like her underwear was showing. Like, she ran down the aisle being like, <sighs> It was My very God, cute. Sarah would have killed that role. <laughs> so, yeah. Starting from the beginning, Abby, do you <laughs> think we should fly, die, or retry? Um, thank you so much for asking. I think I that- know. I always forget that we do that in the show. <laughs> the whole concept of the show. <laughs> the whole concept of the show. I frequently glaze over. Um, yeah, I think Cassidy that we can and should stop the beat. <gasps> I think that it should Woo! die. <laughs> wow. Okay, she's coming in with not only with a tagline but with a hot take. And when I thought of that joke, I was not gonna lie i was on the fence i was like somewhere between retry and die for many many reasons that i'll explain as we go along wow but as soon as i thought of that joke i knew that my take had to be that joke so that i could get it in (laughs) i i was in a show with this woman who was telling me when she did hairspray both it was like the person playing amber's mom and the person playing someone else were both pregnant and they used to call the song song you can't stop to pee because they had like no breaks in the show um i think hairspray is just a light retry 
I don't, I feel like you're going to point out a lot of things that I haven't thought about. There's some crass references too, which I feel like are really in line with the source material to be real. The guy who directed this film is the same guy who had a drag queen eat dog shit on film and it was like put oh. out. Yeah, divine. Um, there was like a reference John Waters to that. is edgy. Like John Waters, and he's crass. He's very crass. They're very crass. I am not positive on John Waters' pronouns. But Oh, great point. I, yes, very famous director, very, um, but like cult classic famous. So I feel like some of the bad stuff is just in, in, in enriched in kind of the sassy gay source material of source and doesn't transfer over as well when it's not a drag film. My biggest problem is just contextualizing this with the fact that the predominant, um, American theater going audience is middle class white people. Absolutely. And that's the only reason I think it needs to die. So I think it's a lot of fun. And I I also, so my biggest take of all throughout all of this, and I have a half-baked thing that I'm. we'll see when I decide to say it. Can't wait for you to fully bake this pie. Thank you so much. It won't be fully baked. This idea might be absolutely awful. But Undercooked? I think we need to re recolor the show a little bit in the way of when this came out, Black Lives Matter was not yet an organized movement. Police brutality and racism and all of these issues were obviously still happening. And there were Black Panthers and tons of other groups organizing against it. However, Black Lives Matter, I believe, coined themselves in 2016. Fact check me if you can. And... So I think there are different ways that we add that in now, knowing that this is an active movement and that people are actively protesting in similar ways to the ways that characters are protesting in the show. Because when I saw this as a little kid, like when I saw this at 10 and 12, I'm sure there were protests going on, but it wasn't it wasn't on the main news. You know, it wasn't as circulated. And it certainly it felt like a like a period thing. Like, this Mm -hmm. only happened during that time, but that's not true because of our fabulous grassroots organizers and so many others that I wish I had a list to shout out right now. I'm sorry. (laughs) We can add one. We can definitely promote one with it. Absolutely. That's, it's that very point where, that you said, like, it feels like a period piece, and I think that's kind of part of its danger at this particular moment in time. Five years from now, we might live in a perfect utopia where we can look back on the 60s. We won't. Spoiler for if anybody's listening, we won't. But like, It is true. We give the 60s a lot of love and then we're like, but also racism. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we give the 60s a lot of stylized, iconized love. But so Good Morning Baltimore, I think, is a great song. It's so funny. Basically, Tracy's out there singing about her kind of trash town, but how she loves it. There's the flasher who Who lives lives next door. That's John Waters. John turned you down. That's John, I think. That's John in what? He's oh, the, the flasher? flasher in the yes. movie. Yes, John Waters is the flasher, and I didn't know that, but I know what he looks like. I must have watched this movie more than I realized, y'all, because I have a lot of imprinted images. <laughs> but <laughs> I, yeah, that absolutely is John Waters. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, good morning, Baltimore. The rat sound in the street. I'll <laughs> dance around my feet. It's a cute protagonist song. Yeah. She's like, I kind of live in a dump, but one day, and no hate, shame to Baltimore, just talking about <laughs> the shows for talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um. It shows that she has aspirations and that people that kind of aren't on her side, but that she's different and she's quirky. And not and like then, other girls. And not like other girls. When she's on that trash truck in the movie, she rides the trash truck to yes, school because she no. school bus. Cassidy, that gave me big flashbacks to you and I hitchhiking on the side of the road in Panama and just like oh my getting gosh. any random truck that we could get. Y'all, like the, the milk truck used to bring <laughs> us into work in the morning and we would just hope and pray the milk truck was there because otherwise we were walking three miles. Oh God, uphill. Um, so then we go nicest kids in town, which kind of establishes this dance show that was really popular in the 60s. I know like a lot of people involved who helped make the story of Chorus Line were on these shows as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Donna McKickney, I believe, did mm-hmm. one of these shows for a long time, as well as Michael Bennett, who directed um, slash wrote Chorus Line. Yeah. Dramaturgy. Dump. I've decided to not work at um, sound effects and instead I'll just sing all of oh, our wow. sound effects. 
The Corny Collins show is based on the Buddy Dean show that was canceled oh, great, in Abby. 1964, and it was canceled because it was facing pressure to integrate the show, but it was wow, also Abby. Uh, dealing with like death threats and like other things. This like, is an excellent dramaturgy dump. Like this show, I think it's also sort of what made me feel like maybe Hairspray needs to die in that it's like danger. This is a real story. Is that <clears throat> it's based on a real story, but it's like the utopic version of it where dan- yeah. oh, dancing ends segregation and like we all learn to love each other. So I think I have a retry that's going... I think you're going to vibe with my retry. I'm mm-hmm. going to get a little further because Ooh. my retry only kind of affects the ending. Okay. She said um, mystery. Yeah. I'm going to let it keep brewing. I don't think the viewers will like it, but I think <laughs> you will like it. Anyway. Yeah. Nicest kids in town. Cool song. Honestly, the music to the show is just really good. Yeah. I just like it. It's so catchy. I catch myself singing in it all the time. Mama, I'm a big girl now. My mom used to play this soundtrack in the car for years, honestly. I think the CD broke. Once upon a time, I was so good. Oh, it's so cute. I When I was a white dynamite, they put us in this number, thankfully. And I was really glad to go, oh. Okay, yeah. Are we going to address the white dynamite now? Should we save it? Like, Yeah, folks. No, no, we can dive into White Dynamite. It wouldn't be that hard to find out my high school or any of this information. So I'm going to talk a, not tiptoey, but just like a little lighter. However, I for the Dynamites in our show, they doubled it. So they made six and it was me and one other white girl. So okay. also way mm-hmm. too big of a clump of people to be on stage ever. Um, a six person chorus that like second it destroys the whole idea of them being the Supremes. Yeah. And, and the idea of the Supremes being a Greek chorus, because Greek choruses are always in three. Yeah. Um. So, like, it trashed that. And yeah. Yeah, it was just bad. It was unnecessary. Like, you don't need to have a special chorus. You just need to have, like, a good ensemble. But, however... And my my other fellow white dynamite, I love dearly. I know she doesn't need the shout out. My black dynamites were all fabulous and talented singers and deserve to have that moment to like shine individually and deserve to have it to shine as three of them, even though there were five or four. And like they were what I will say about the casting of color in this show is it doesn't because little Inez is like young. Uh-huh. There's not necessarily a black ingenue in this show. Uh-huh. There's like a black elder figure who has yeah. to be large. Yeah. Um. And then there's little Inez. Uh-huh. And then there's like chorus and the Supremes. Uh-huh. So I feel like you have to and seaweed, but females. Yeah. You really have to be playing into kind of not stereotypes, but like your roles are very set for you. Uh-huh. And are really going to come down to, like, the look a lot. Yeah, for sure. I get of that. Of who can play mom and who can, like, on a high school level. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm talking about all of this as if everyone auditioning is, like, 16. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of this show relies on look. Like, yeah. the stereotype. It's a very stylized piece, but it's also very, yeah. It's even, I just think that it's the stylization extends into the look of the actors and it relies on stereotypes. Yeah. And in some ways, I think that works for the piece. Yeah, like it works that Amber's always like a real pretty blonde. Yeah. And in some ways, I'm like, I have questions about this now because of just the way that, you know, it's like... My my um roommate actually mentioned how... Like, they kind of poised Nikki Blonsky to be the next star after she booked this movie. And not Hmm. that much happened to her. And is that because of fat phobia? Or is that, you know, like, she was very talented. This movie was really good. And they really posed her to be the next breakout star. I remember that, too. And then she did, like, nothing. Okay, so there's, like, a couple of things I want to bring up here, actually. Mm -hmm. Another reason that I think that this show should die is because casting white people in the roles of the black people is okay and permitted by the creators of the show. I just pulled up an article about this, about how they have just changed that, actually, Oh, Abby. 
You come for me. Oh my god. Dang. If you check the Google Drive. <laughs> oh. If you check our files, you'll find an article about how the writers of the show originally had in the clause mm-hmm. that like for educational purposes, I guess, that you could do it with all white people. And there was actually a theater in Plano, so the actual suburbs of my town. Oh my god. They <laughs> <laughs> um, they did it all white people. And it was like, what? And you can't even imagine people doing that. All. Like, it is so unfathomable for me to think about this show that is about, like, race relations in the 60s and be like, we're going to do it all white because we really like the music. I I just, put a country accent on that. It doesn't deserve one because it can happen in any state, folks. It's not <laughs> just the South. <laughs> Racism is coming for us all. All. Everywhere. <laughs> um, I shouldn't be laughing. It's true. It's very true. <laughs> but yeah, I where were we? They just amended that thing saying oh, that white yeah, people. Yeah, so they could have play. just changed it. Thank you so much. They have just changed it to say that now, like you have to play it true to type. Okay, long time coming. But in the Heights also does that. Lin Manuel also says you want to put a bunch of whiteies in this show. You can in the Whites. It's my favorite production. In to the see. Whites. Ugh, I know it, man. I yeah. Anyway, Ooh. so they just changed that. Which I think is good. It only happens every once in a while that someone is like bold enough to try to do an all white hairspray. It's still deplorable, but it's not an everyday occurrence. It brings us to I can hear the bells. Oh, you yeah. have no commentary on I can hear the bells. <laughs> the only commentary I have on that is like, wow, talk about maladaptive daydreaming. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> I just think the song's cute. Yeah, I, me too. I root for her. I'm like, oh, she says something cute and I can hear the bells, but I can't remember. There's a lot of cute stuff. Yeah, it's just really sweet. This heavyweight champion takes the prize and which on the thesis of is this show body positive or not, that is herself kind of empoweringly referring to herself as the heavyweight champion yeah and there are some things about it that like she cheers up her mom when the yeah tracy is very proud to be tracy which is why we're supposed to be drawn into the show yeah which i do like i just i would move to say that we merge on we've we we're close to body positive in the show we're close to it we're still making the fat girl the butt of the joke for sure i felt that not the butt of the joke, but in the, it's a plot point. It definitely it's is still a, plot a plot point. point. But I felt that that's so what, what made her different, though, and that's what made her be able to get along with, like, not be able to get along with people of color, but like she felt marginalized in her own way for being large. The people weren't nice to her. My concern was like, well, the first thing is that like I felt that the bad characters, the characters I weren't supposed to like, were the ones expressing these very fat phobic views. And mm-hmm. so I was kind of, I was like, mm, okay, I think I'll let it slide, question mark. But I felt that at some points in this show, they were trying to relate fat phobia to racism as if they were yeah, equal. Yeah, that is and true. Both bad. Both One, bad. systemically upheld by a government. Yeah. One systemically upheld by society, yeah. One, culturally upheld by media. Culturally, you're so much better, Abby. Thank you. So I'm like, and then like, there's so many layers. Abby, say that again. That was a really profound thing you said. Break it down again. Racism is held up by. Racism is held up systemically and enforced by government systems. Whereas. Unless somebody can peanut butter me. And there truly might be legislation on it that I don't know about. Fatphobia is more held up culturally by media standards and representation. That was very good. So well, well said, Abby. Well said, well spoken. But it's kind of like that thing. I don't know. And then it also felt a little white feministy too. I don't know. You know, like it's also got yeah. a little bit of touch of white savior in there. It's got like, a touch of white savior. I think we're supposed to forget about that because Tracy is like lovely and genuine. Like <laughs> she doesn't feel like she's saving. She just shows up at the place and she's like, oh, my gosh, how can we help? And she makes the decision to help. She makes the decision to march with them. Yeah, I can hear the bells. And then we get the legend of Baltimore Crabs, which is Amber's mom, who like is one of the directors of the dance show and like reliving her glory days. Really funny. Um, the Those poor runner ups, 
that might still hold some grudges. They padded their cups, but I screwed the judges. She's terrible, like, and I yeah, love her. Yeah, very funny, and I love how high schools have to try change the lyrics. This show is done in high school a lot, and it, like I keep referring to that because it was done in my high school, but they have to change the show for high school a lot. I remember... I was thinking about this this week since we're doing hairspray, but in my voice teacher, I guess, had like done it somewhere. My voice teacher in high school, mm-hmm. I was like flipping through her books and the lyrics were edited and someone didn't even let them say, ever since we first saw the light, a man, a man and woman like to shake it on a Saturday night. What did um, they have to say? I don't know. And they also cut um, a woman knew that if she shook it, she could shake up a man. Yeah, they cut them both into like something weird. I guess that was too sexual for them. And I was like, okay, but one of the plot points is Seaweed and Penny making out. Okay, so. trigger warning, guys. We talk about shaking it. <gasps> we talk about shaking our booties. So and sorry. it's kind of in a an entendre for sex. Sorry that we're 20 something minutes in before we said it. I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh, it's the ending number. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's on sh- you can't stop the beat is what they say it. I meant 20 um, minutes into the pod without telling oh, our audience. It's true. It's it's like an NPR. Uh, warning that this does acknowledge the appearance of sex. <laughs> I think that's what they say or something. Aw, while we're sitting here, I just got a message from sweet Peyton Bell Hunter who was a dynamite with me. Oh, and sick. I posted that picture and she says, aw, great memes, bad wigs. And she's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i want a wig my the only time i've ever had a beehive was when i was miss darvis in high school musical uh every show i'm in wants to make me blonde for some weird reason so i'm always in a wig it makes me i have jet black hair for those who don't know me yet yeah <laughs> those who don't know me yet Ooh. you just haven't met you yet met me yet <laughs> <laughs> some michael buble during the holiday times for you folks i know you missed it tune in <laughs> Yeah, that brings us. Tracy shows up and she does really well and she gets cast on the show and they do the Madison and then Link and Tracy sing, It takes two, baby. It takes two. Also, really clever, kind of um, campy lyrics. The Romeo had Juliet. Mrs. Claus had Old St. Nick. Something, someone had Guinevere. And Liz, well, she had her dick. Um, like, they just, like, it's funny. She was supposed to be, like, Liz, Elizabeth Taylor and Richard. Um, Richard, whoever. But it's funny. It's cute. It takes two. And then we get Welcome to the 60s, which is Tracy giving her mom a makeover of sorts. Um, what about New Girl in Sound? New Girl in Town was added for the movie. Oh my god, really? New Girl in Town in the New Girl in Town in the musical is just underscoring music. It doesn't have any lyrics. It's like while they move, but for the movie they added lyrics to it. It's a cute song. I really like the New Girl in Town. She just came on the scene. The New Girl in Town can't be more than 16. Oh, but okay, then right before Welcome to the 60s, I remember Mm -hmm. Um, but why is John Travolta like kind of pretty? <laughs> John Travolta's really pretty in the movie of this. Aww. I was like watching him and I was like, John. Also, they made John a damn thicky. Like, Dude, he looked good, honestly. John <laughs> they- was a great Edna, too. I thought John did a great job. I thought Christopher Walken did a great job in the movie. I thought this was a great movie adaptation. I thought they were whole. cowards for not making John Travolta and Christopher Walken kiss. I stand by oh, that. Oh, they didn't do that? They don't kiss. Oh, that's dumb. <laughs> that <laughs> should have been so kissed. dumb. I just historically want John Travolta and Christopher Walken to have shared a kiss. Oh, my God. Of course. Uh, it hurts me to my core that he's a Scientologist. But it's all right. We'll move on. He's faced tragedy in his life. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah. Welcome to the 60s is really cute. Hey, mama. Hey, mama. It's the dynamites. And it's just they, and they're loving themselves. And they're she's cheering her mom on. She's saying, don't act like you're like unattractive or too old or too large to like feel the way you want to feel and dress the way you want to dress, which is really cool. Yeah. And this was one of the things that like for a second was like, uh, I don't know, maybe retry. <laughs> Because I really liked that Tracy never really seemed to doubt herself or like her power. She just yeah. she went after her dream and she didn't really talk about her body that much. Like, it's true. It's true. And Good Morning Baltimore, like if she does it, it's always a joke and it's always like she's the victor in it. Yeah. It's not and, like my fat self. Yeah. But the only thing that bothered me is that 
at the end, Amber and her mother never really get called out for their like blatantly racist things. And they're like, that's absolutely true. That's they just dance it out. Or the mom gets like fired, which I guess is some justice, but Amber just starts dancing. And I'm like, you guys have to apologize for being racist and fatphobic, actually. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about the end of the show and what I think we should do. We get there and we get there. Um, so that's so that brings us to Run and Tell That, which is seaweed um, singing to Penny. The darker the berry, the sweeter the juice. I could tell you it's so, but darling, what's, what's the, the use? use? Great song. Great song. Really well done. I, le- I like seeing seaweed and Penny's romance on stage when it's done well because it's really... It just seems sweet and earnest. And like, yeah, it's not really because they're just kind of using it as a... Like, like, I am now a checkerboard chick. You know, they're using it mm-hmm. to make some weird, like, black and white jokes, but kind of similar to the source material, kind of sticky. And I feel like they typically show their love in a very, like, wholesome early high school type of way. In the, how much, do you know how many, how much of, like, the dialogue was changed from film to screen? Nope. Film to stage. I don't believe much. Why? There's just a couple lines before this one where it was like, oh, we get to hang out with the black kids. We're so cool. Um, And I was like, again, though, I think that's supposed to be like the true wonder and not. It's a bad way to be like, oh, my God, they're so not racist. They think that black people are cool. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's a little bit of that for them that we're supposed to see like where most people would have run away from them. I guess they are intrigued and they feel they feel cool to be included by them versus they feel elitist and exclusive around them. Well, but then later in detention, they're like all competing to get into detention and like detention is just Tracy and all the black kids and they're so cool. Yeah, but because Tracy feels like she can fit in finally. She gets to dance and they're not making fun of her hair or her weight. And, and Oh, what I will say, I'm not into, oh, she belongs in special education. Cut that. Didn't like that one. That was a very real thing of the 60s, unfortunately, but not liking it. Yeah, Amber tries, when Amber's being a bully and Tracy's like falling asleep in class or something, she, Amber tries to say that like, obviously I don't think that <laughs> that Tracy should be in special ed because she's being a total B word. And that that's a good old fashioned Broadway bullshit, Cassidy, actually. Yeah, I always anytime any individual with an intellectual or um intellectual or developmental disability is the butt of the joke. I'm just so not about it. And most people know that about me. But I just I just think it's weak and dumb and like he's special. Like Y'all just come on. Yeah, and they're just, just assuming really, that because Tracy's not doing well in school that she's special when she yeah, really just doesn't have any interest in it. And it's derogatory of Tracy and it's derogatory of a community as well. Yeah, not a fan. Um, so Run Until That leads us into when they go to the record store and they go and they meet Seaweed's mom, Motormouth Mabel, and his sister, Little Inez. And then she sings Big Blonde and Beautiful. Big Blonde and Beautiful. And that is when Tracy brings her mom to this place, too, to see all of her new black friends because she's like, they need our help, mom. And Motormouth Mabel, Seaweed's mom, is also like a big woman who's very proud of herself. So we see that like what Edna could learn from Motormouth in a little bit. So she sings Big Blonde, uh, pour on that. Pecan pie, pour some sugar on it, honey. Don't, Don't be, be shy. shy. She, yeah, so she's saying she loves it, and this is her. This is the way she is. And that, believe it or not, big blonde and beautiful closes Act One. So we know, like, they need our help. We're gonna agree to help them and protest in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts before Act Two, Abby? Act Two short, a classic. This is one of the great shows where Act Two is like a third of the length of Act One. Um, yeah, Big Blonde and Beautiful, the way that Tracy got involved still feels a bit white savior, but see, I think I just see Tracy as more like young beaming curious than you. Okay. You know, I think my view of Tracy is very like she she's eager to help and she doesn't understand. And this is also I don't want to say in the beginning of helping, but this is kind of the beginning of the public facing white ally in the 60s. Yeah. Um, like the 40s and 50s are not known for that. And like American racism was still going on. But mm-hmm. the 60s were when protests began and when the there it wasn't just people of color at the protests. That makes sense. Yeah. I think that's a fair She's assessment. an evolving archetype of this time, per se. 
So that brings us into Big Doll House. That feels wrong. No, it's right. Um, Yeah, so Big Blonde and Beautiful, and then it shows them arrested in Act 2, which is for marching, right? It's not from dancing on the show. It's from marching. It's marching first, and then the cops are, like, looking for her. And then oh, they sneak yeah, right, in, right, right, right. and then they dance, and then they end segregation. No, Abby, when they're <laughs> arrested in the beginning of Act 2, what did they get arrested for? Marching or dancing on the show? Marching, right? Marching. They danced on the, okay, that's what I thought, because they march again. Yeah, but I just... Because we haven't sung I Know Where I've Been yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait. Yeah, that's, the, that's at, towards the end of Act 2. That's why I also got confused. The movie, ver- in the movie, I Know Where I've Been... The movie cuts Big Dollhouse. In the movie, they never get arrested. Or they get arrested, but it's not like everyone gets arrested. Like, in the show, even Amber gets arrested. Amber gets arrested? Yeah. So everyone gets arrested, and they sing Big Dollhouse. And my only complaint is one of the jokes is, I need a conjugal visit from my loving spouse. Honey, just drop the soap in the Big Dollhouse. I just don't need the rape joke. I'm, you know, like we make a we're trying to phase out of making prison rape jokes and like drop the soap is just so like it's old, but it's ingrained, man. And we act like it's so stinking funny. It's, I don't know what that means, actually. Oh, really? No, really? I've never. I mean, this- my dad is a criminal defense attorney, but I feel like most of our listeners will understand the reference. It's unfortunately that like you would drop the soap in the shower and you would like bend over to get it and like you would be. Raped. I understand. <laughs> Unfortunate. Cool. Moving on. Um, good morning, Baltimore reprise, which is really sweet. And it's just tra- it's Tracy being sad um, and not knowing what to do and trying to get to Link. And then we have Wilbur and Edna's love song. So her parents uh, timeless to me. So sweet. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, love yeah, your like, to me. <laughs> times keep a changing. The yes, world's rearranging. But Edna, you're timeless, timeless to, to me. me. Uh, um it's just sweet and again pretty positive too he's pretty much he's like i think you are so hot and like i'm a i'm a die with you (laughs) i mean you will always be this hot to me like it's very sweet and again boosting edna who seems to need it so then from tracy's jail cell and penny's bedroom we get without love which is is a lot of 60s references stacked on top of each other Hmm. um like perry cuomo um there's a lot of just random 60s references in there. A lot of 60s references. I don't know. Without Love is where I wrote in the riffing on the question of like, is this show fat phobic? Because I think it rides a line. Mm-hmm. Um, it does feel that Link loves Tracy despite her yes, weight. Absolutely. Rather than loving like it. I 100% and, agree. Yeah. Like her wait and then it's like he loves her and she's fat it feels like he loves her despite the fact that she's fat for sure absolutely because it's like why the whole plot is like why would someone like him go for someone like her yeah and his lyrics in this song are something like no matter what you weigh (laughs) i I was going to point out the lyric. Here's where we get a little a little sticky with talking about race relations. Mm-hmm. Um, living in the ghetto, black is everywhere you go. Yeah. I thought I'd loved a girl with skin as white as winter snow. And in that moment on the stage version, Penny is tied up. And so he goes, living in the ghetto, black is everywhere you go. Whips open a knife. Yeah. Um, like I always, you know, like I always got my knife on me because I'm black and I live in the ghetto. And now I'm going to free my white girlfriend whose mom tied her up to her bed. So it was a good rhyme. <laughs> we can make, as always, a great rhyme. <laughs> we, we should maybe look into how we discuss that. Again, this is a very campy show and it's kind of meant to be like this, whether you agree or disagree with that. Mm-hmm. But. You know, that's where I start to be like, okay, because that's where Penny starts to also start like, we'll get there. She has another lyric, but yeah. it's in You Can't Stop the Beat. But um, yeah, any more thoughts before we get to a big one next? We get to I Know Where I've Been. I don't know why I'm like hiding it. <laughs> I love the mystery that you keep going for on this episode. I'm like, what's the retry? Let's, I'm so curious. We get to, yeah, so we get to I Know Where I've Been. Um, and 
it's a good song. My sister, like, she likes musicals because I like musicals, but, like, it would not be something she gravitates towards. She always plays this one on the piano. Um, She really likes Hairspray. She really likes all of Hairspray. Um, But she always plays I Know Where I've Been, and it's a great song. There's a road we must travel for so many miles away where the riches are plenty. Um, It's lyrically very beautiful, and I feel like here is where I need to start to see the transition in my in my light retry of like Black Lives Matter. Yeah, Um, because they're still in the 60s, so I don't need to change that. But the signs for this protest are typically like like I had prop signs when I was in the show and it's like love black and white integrate like let's see some more meaningful protest signs let's see you know like let's and when you're speaking with kids about this since this is such a high school done show this is a great time to speak to your kids about black lives matter yeah i did this whole show without ever having any conversation about what it meant or about the race relations behind it when i went to a very like the the percentage of color was just very large at my school Mm -hmm. and it was still never really discussed. Um, And it could have been, and it could have been a great moment for dialogue Mm -hmm. and for imparting knowledge and for showing how we break things down. So I really encourage future high school directors, which is sweet because now I know those are my friends who are out there being future high school directors. Oh yeah. Um, Which makes me sweet. Shout out to my theater education cohort, all being badass first year teachers this year. Yeah. You teach, but (laughs) hook (laughs) them. I, I want to start to see more meaningful protest depictions here. And I want to, I don't want this to be the only moment that we feel the racism of the show because we have so many upbeat songs that it's really easy to wait until we get here to realize, mm-hmm. wait, people are hurting because mm-hmm. it's kitschy and mm-hmm. it's sticky and it's cute. Um, and so I uh, need more. Yeah. And like prior to this point, Amber's mom, I cannot miss Baltimore crabs. Miss Baltimore she says crabs. some like pretty blatantly racist Awful. stuff. That's true. I haven't talked about her lines. She says some icky stuff. She has a couple. She's like thrusting like savages and describing the dances. Yeah. Would you swim in an integrated pool? I and want Tracy that goes, I chubby. would. <laughs> yeah, she would. Um, she, sa- she says, I want that chubby communist off the air. And yeah, about- I remember that line. <laughs> Tracy, I was like, oh, my God, communism. <laughs> wow. That brings us into what gives a girl charm and a nut, na 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 na. No, it's hairspray. But I just want to shout out James Marsden. He plays Courtney Collins in the movie. I'm in love with him. Oh, I was just talking about him. He is excellent, and his his doppelganger is also excellent in Glow. In case you didn't know, two no, different people. Those people do look alike. They look really alike, and they're in like similar works. So that which brings us to, and I think. This kind of gets cut in the movie. I'm not sure. Um, do they sing, she's got cooties, cooties, da 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 They sing like two lines of it, right? It's similar to how um, New new Girl in Town, it's like a background song for something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Also, we didn't mention that um, the movie adds Lady's Choice for Link because they wanted Zac Efron to have a solo. Hey, little girl with the caster burns. Da, 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 da. But anyway, I really liked watching Zach yeah, do that. Though. It's a I was great like, song too. I also didn't say um, my fun fact, which is if you know the Cup song, you can do it to New Girl in Town pretty flawlessly, actually, <laughs> uh, and it sounds really good. So if you're bored, at oh home, man, that's gonna be the sound bite at the end of this episode is you doing that. <laughs> oh, I will totally do that. Actually, that's the one. So then we have you can't stop the beat. Which is basically they break into the station and they dance on TV and they're like, okay, we're going to integrate it. And then they sing, you can't stop the beat. Ever since we first saw the light, a man and woman like to shake it on a Saturday night. I love that. Um, Here it is, Abby. I want. (gasps) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I want across the proscenium on an electronic screen. We are dancing for Eric Gardner, George Floyd. All of the Black Lives Matter names that we have lost to police brutality, I want while they're singing that upbeat. 
I want them above and I want them to say we are dancing for all Emmett Till. We are dan- like we are dancing for Sandra Bland. We are dancing for Philando mm-hmm. Castile. And mm-hmm. just name after name because it's a long song too and the names would fill the song. And yeah, it would really, really, really shatter the facade of this being a super upbeat show that's also about racism. But, and this is the number where everyone in the entire show is on stage. Interesting. Question, follow Mm -hmm. up. How does that, does that break the world of the show? Or are the actors aware? I don't think the actors are aware of it. They're still doing their show, but, and this might be patting myself on the back a little too much, but to me, it's very similar vibes to where they turn around cabaret and then they're all in the concentration camp at the end. Like after, you know, after they've been singing in the nightclub, you realize like, oh my gosh, now they're in the Holocaust. It's not that deep. I mean, it is that deep, but it's not that like dramatic and artistic of a twist. I think that's a great twist in cabaret, but. Yeah. I want, like I, I want it to stare you in the face. But it just like face. shatters yes, the reality. Because it didn't stare you in the face this whole show. And you will walk out very different than you would have without it for sure. You will walk out after hearing like the most upbeat song of your life, kind of feeling like trash potentially. But the average ticket buyer on Broadway is a 52-year-old upper class white woman. And you know where this show tours? white america all the time and while i think it sends a good message i think it's important like it makes it makes racism seem very watered down it makes racism seem like an issue of the past this also didn't happen they didn't integrate the stations um until much later i believe i don't know someone looked that up that's a great thing to look up when we're when we're tv shows integrated and when we're dance shows integrated I'm not sure, but the one that this is based off literally shut down over this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's what I want. And it's a very different hairspray, folks. It really it really puts a weird way on what you've just experienced for the last two hours. But I think for right now, it's very fitting. And I think if a production of Hairspray did it right now, it would make the New York Times for doing that ish. Maybe I just think my idea is super cool, but I just see it. At- Cassidy's like, I'm making the New York Times. I see Times. it in my head. No, I think a that's really a really strong cool directorial choice. And I don't have those as suggestions very often. Yeah, I think it's a really strong directorial choice. And I think it contextualizes like the idea that like, you know, the way that we are celebrating the fact that Trump is out of office, mm-hmm. not to get. Not to get too political, but here are my political beliefs that Trump is out of the office, but that, you know, we settled for Biden. Like, you know, like we did achieve something, but we haven't achieved all of it yet. So celebrate the little wins. Like if this show is going to celebrate integrating, that's cool. Let's celebrate the fact that we did that. There's still more work to do, folks. Let's not forget that there are so many other ways that that racism shows its ugly face in our government systems. And I think that idea supports that actually you're right yeah but that's hairspray folks i think the music's good i think the story is well intended it's just my oh i only have one question oh, last way do you think it passes the duvernay test so i saw that tell me what it is abby because i the bechdel isn't it's, really passed here either unless you say she loves dancing more than she loves link no the bechdel test is passed her and her mom talk about oh motormouth mabel passes the bechdel test it's your plot can't revolve around a man. Your plot can't revolve around men, and you need like two women on screen talking for five minutes about not about yeah, a man. That happens. And that happens. Tracy and her mom do that a couple times, I think. I was going to give the credit to Motormouth, um, but I'm with you because of course it's always a black woman. But the Duvernay test, while the Guardian article that I read was like, this is obviously not a conducive test, and it's just a good way to basically get the conversation started. It needs two non-romantically involved minority characters talking about something other than race and also not simply there to support the white characters yeah and i don't think we have that yeah this guy's saying like the headline for this article was in unsettling times like these hairspray is a bomb and a call to action and it was written in 2020 which is interesting 
but I feel like it's a little too celebratory of the show. Yeah, the show is super fun and I like listening to it. I just worry about um, like wealthy white left leaning people being like, ah, we sold racism. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't. <laughs> we didn't. And again, got a shout out that the show was written by two white dudes. Four, it was a fourfer. <laughs> it was a fourfer. I actually haven't confirmed that all four are white, but the two front facing people of the show are definitely white. Yeah, folks, that's about it for me. You good, Abs? That? Oh, my final thought on Hairspray is um, I'd really like to see a fat character on screen who is loved not in mm. spite of her size and doesn't actually really have... I like some parts of me like that Tracy don't, doesn't talk about her weight that much. Some parts of me don't like that people are blatantly rude to her about it and never apologize and some parts of me want to see a fat character on screen living their life vibing not being bothered yeah. by anybody about their size because their body is healthy and fine and we don't need to keep commenting on women's bodies you know i completely agree I want to take this moment to encourage everyone to donate to their local mutual aid groups, to get in touch with their Black Lives Matter activists and other grassroots organizations around racial inequality in their neighborhood, neighborhood community. You can go to our page under the activism section to find Black Theater United, which is doing work to reform the industry for Black voices and storytellers. Do the work, read the book, go to the protest, show up, please. It's needed really badly, and I understand all of this is skewed coming from my white self, and I'm not trying to be a spokesperson at all. I'm just, yeah. Show out, and don't give up now. Especially, you know, Biden being elected, and yeah. Kamala being don't elected. Give up. Yeah. As great as that is, and as nice as that is, that doesn't solve years and years and years and years and years of systemic racism. And we have to do that work as a community, not as a it like one leader can't do that work alone we're all and to quote oh, another zach afron film all we're in all in this together, together. i kind of hit the harmony folks once uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god cool we're gonna be watching bye bye birdie next week bye we are always grateful to y'all um yeah, write us in, peanut butter us. We hope you made it through the week without us, okay? But we hope you missed us for sure. <laughs> we missed you. Oh. Um, thank you to the people who peanut buttered us. Thank you to Director of Marketing Sarah Lassert. Thank you to Lily Guo for the logo. Thank you to Liza Kay for the music. Yeah. Um, I know I don't usually do thank yous, and I'm killing it. I know, you really popped off. I was like, oh, I probably could have started saying thank you at some point. No. Thank you, Abby. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> thank you, Cassidy. Thank you so much. Y'all, this is so fun. And I always look forward to it. And every day you'll do something that makes Abby and I excited. Yeah, you could follow us. Truly. We would freak out and send screenshots back and forth. <laughs> but you do even more. And that's incredible. If you have thoughts, write them into us. If you have complaints, write them into us if they're nice complaints. Uh, <laughs> that's it, folks. Have a great week, bullshitters. You can. Yeah, JK. Bye. The new girl in town, she just came on the scene. The new girl in town can't be more than 16. And she's got a way of making a boy act like a clown. Oh, we don't know what to do about that new girl in town.